0: Chapter Two of the Radio Planet. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynette Hawkins, Monument, Colorado. The Radio Planet by Ralph Milne Farley. Chapter Two. Too Much Static. Miles cabot had returned to the earth to study the latest developments of modern terrestrial science for the benefit of the cupian nation he was the regent of cupia during the minority of his baby son king q the thirteenth the loyal prince Toron occupied the throne in his absence the last of the ant-men and their ally the renegade cupian prince yuri had presumably perished in an attempt to escape by flying through the steam-clouds which completely hem in continental poros what lay beyond the boiling seas no man knew during his stay on my farm cabot had built the matter-transmitting apparatus with which he had shot himself off into space on that october night on which he had received the message from the skies s o s lilla a thunderstorm had been brewing all that evening and just as miles had placed himself between the coordinate axes of his machine and had gathered up the strings which ran from his control levers to within the apparatus there had come a blinding flash lightning had struck his aerial how long his unconsciousness lasted he knew not he was some time in regaining his senses but when he had finally and fully recovered, he found himself lying on a sandy beach beside a calm and placid lake beneath a silver sky. He fell to wondering, vaguely and pleasantly, where he was and how he had got here. Suddenly, however, his ears were jarred by a familiar sound. At once his senses cleared, and he listened intently to the distant purring of a motor. Yes, there could be no mistake, an airplane was approaching— Now he could see it, a speck in the sky, far down the beach. Nearer and nearer it came. Miles sprang to his feet. To his intense surprise, he found that the effort threw him quite a distance into the air. Instantly the idea flashed through his mind. I must be on Mars, or some other strange planet. This idea was vaguely reminiscent of something. But while he was trying to catch this vaguely elusive train of thought, his attention was diverted by the fact that, for some unaccountable reason, his belt buckle and most of the buttons which had held his clothes together were missing. So that his clothing came to pieces as he rose and that he had to shed it rapidly in order to avoid impeding his movements. He wondered at the cause of this. But his speculations were cut short by the alighting of the plane a hundred yards down the beach what was his horror when out of it clambered not men but ants ants six-footed and six feet high huge ants four of them running toward him over the glistening sands gone was all his languor as he seized a piece of driftwood and prepared to defend himself as he stood thus expectant miles realized that his present position and condition the surrounding scenery, and the advance of the antmen were exactly, item for item, like the opening events of his first arrival on the planet Poros. He even recognized one of the antmen as Old Doggo, who had befriended him on his previous visit. Could it be that all his adventures in Cupia had been naught but a dream? A recurring dream, in fact? Were his dear wife Lilla and his little son Q merely figments of his imagination? Horrible thought! And then events began to differ from those of the past. For the three other Formians halted, and Dago advanced alone. By the agitation of the beast's antennae, the Earthman could see that it was talking to him. But Miles no longer possessed the wonderful electrical headset which he had contrived and built during his previous visit to that planet, so as to talk with Cupians and Formians, both of which races are earless and converse by means of radiations from their antennae. So he picked up two sticks from the beach, and held them projecting from his forehead, then threw them to the ground with a grimace of disgust, and pointed to his ears. Doggo understood, and scratched with his paw in cupian shorthand on the silver sands the message, Miles Cabot, you are our prisoner. "'What, again?' scratched Miles, then made a sign of submission." He dreaded the paralyzing bite which Formians usually administer to their victims, and which he had twice experienced in the past, but fortunately it was not now forthcoming. The other three ants kept away from him as Dago led him to the beached airplane, and soon they were scudding along beneath silver skies, northward as it later turned out. Far below them were silver-green fields and tangled tropical woods, interspersed with rivulets and little ponds. This was Cupia his cupia. He was home once more, back again upon the planet which held all that was dear to him in two worlds. His heart glowed with the warmth of homecoming. What mattered it that he was now a prisoner in the hands, or rather claws, of his old enemies, the Formians? He had been their prisoner before, and had escaped. Once more he could escape, and rescue the princess Lilla, Poor girl! How eager he was to reach her side and save her from that peril, whatever it was, which had caused her to flash that S.O.S. a hundred million miles across the solar system from Poros to the earth. He wondered what could have happened in Cupia since his departure only a few seconds ago. How was it that the Antmen had survived their airplane journey across the boiling seas? What had led them to return?' Or perhaps these ants were a group who had hidden somewhere and thus had escaped the general extermination of their race. In either event, how had they been able to reconquer Cupia? And where was their former leader, Yuri, the renegade Cupian prince? These and a hundred other similar questions flooded in upon the Earthman as the Formian airship carried him, a captive, through the skies. He gazed again at the scene below, and now noted one difference from the accustomed Peruvian landscape, for nowhere ran the smooth concrete roads which bear the swift two-wheeled Kirkoules of the Cupians to all parts of their continent. What uninhabited portion of Cupia could this be over which they were now passing? Turning to Dago, Miles extended his left palm, and made a motion as though writing on it with the thumb and forefinger of his right hand but the ant-man waved a negative with one of his forepaws it was evident that there were no writing materials aboard the ship miles would have to wait until they reached their landing-place for doubtless they would soon hover down in some city or town though just which one he could not guess as the country below was wholly unfamiliar finally a small settlement loomed ahead It was of the familiar style of toy building-block architecture affected by the Ant-Men, and, from its appearance, was very new. On its outskirts further building operations were actively in progress. Apparently, a few survivors of the accursed race of Formians were consolidating their position and attempting to build up a new empire in some out-of-the-way portion of the Continent as the earthman was turning these thoughts over in his mind the plane softly settled down upon one of the flat roofs and its occupants disembarked three of the ants advanced menacingly toward miles but Dago held them off then all of the party descended down one of the ramps to the lower levels of the building Narrow, slit-like window openings gave on to courtyards, where fountains played, and masses of blue and yellow flowers bloomed amid grey-branched lichens with red and purple twig knobs. It was in just such a garden, through just such a window, that he had first looked upon the lovely, blue-eyed, golden-haired Lilla, Crown princess of Cupia. The earthman sighed. Where was his beloved wife now? That she needed his help was certain he must therefore get busy so once again he made motions of writing on the palm of his left hand with the thumb and forefinger of his right and this time the sign language produced results for Dago halted the procession and led cabot into a room it was a plain bare room devoid of any furniture except a small table for ant men have no use for chairs and couches the sky outside was already beginning to pinken with the unseen sun With a sweep of his paw doggo indicated that this was to be cabot's quarters then with another wave he pointed to the table where lay a pad of paper and stylus not a pencil-like stylus as employed by the cupians but rather one equipped with straps for attaching it to the claw of a formian even so it was better than nothing the earthman seized it eagerly but before he could begin writing an ant entered bearing a cupian toga short-sleeved and bordered with grecian wave designs in blue miles put on this garment and then quickly filled the sheet with questions how is my princess and my son the baby king whence came all euphormians whose race i thought had been exterminated what part of cupia is this what is this city where is prince Yuri? and what do you intend to do with me this time then he passed the paper and stylus over to his old friend Dago they were alone together at last. The ant-man's reply consumed sheet after sheet of paper, but owning to the rapidity of Porovian shorthand did not take so very much more time than speaking would have required. As he completed each sheet, he passed it over to Miles, who read as follows. "'As to your princess and your son, I know not, for this is not Cupia.' "'Do you remember how, when your victorious army and air-navy swept to the southern extremity of what had been Formia, a few of our survivors rose in plains from the ruins of our last stronghold, and braved the dangers of the steam-clouds which overhang the boiling seas? Our leader was Prince Yuri, erstwhile contender for the throne of Cupia, splendid even in defeat.' It was his brain that conceived our daring plan of escape. If there were other lands beyond the boiling seas, the lands which tradition taught were the origin of the Cupian race, then there we might prosper and raise up a new empire. At the worst we should merely meet death in another form, rather than at your hands. So we essayed. Your planes followed us, but turned back as we neared the area of terrific heat soon the vapour closed over us blotting our enemies and our native land from view for page after page Dago the ant-man related the harrowing details of that perilous flight across the boiling seas ending with the words here we are and here are you in uriana capital of new formia but how is it that you myles cabot have arrived here on this continent in exactly the same manner and condition in which i discovered you in old formia eight years ago when miles reached the end of reading this narrative he in turn took the pad and stylus and related how he had gone to the planet minos which we call the earth to learn the latest discoveries and inventions there, and how his calculations for his return to Poros had been upset by some static conditions just as he had been about to transmit himself back. Oh, if only he had landed by chance upon the same beach as on his first journey through the skies! Wisely he refrained from mentioning the S.O.S. message from Lilla, but his recollection of her predicament spurred him to be anxious about her rescue. His immediate problem was to learn what the ant planned for him. So the concluding words which he wrote upon the pad were, and now that you have me in your power, what shall you do with me? Old friend, Dago wrote in reply, that depends entirely upon Yuri our king, whose toga you now have on. End of chapter 2